0: So, who here is a science fiction fan? Yes. Okay, I like it. All right, <laughs> movies like Interstellar, TV shows like Stranger Things, man, they capture my attention, my fascination. And so, after the service, maybe we can all, you know, huddle around the tree and geek out together. Um, I say we, cause man, I'll be right there. Uh, Science fiction uses science, or it uses maybe the fringes of scientific theory to captivate our imagination and introduce us to -to new-to-us possibilities of our world uh, and potentially the worlds around us. Um, Those stories are fictional, but they try, the good ones, I think, they try to base the plot line in a scientific theory theory so einstein's theory of relativity is a really popular one because it's really complex but they've also they've proven einstein's theory on a on a small scale i learned this week about time dilation time dilation is when you take an atomic clock a very accurate clock and uh say we had one clock here uh, that just stayed here stationary and then over here we have a pilot and uh, he takes his atomic clock and he flies around the world with the atomic clock and you would expect, you know, the time doesn't change, right? But you'd expect them to say the same time because they were totally synchronized before. But when we compare the clocks again after our experiment's been run, the clocks are slightly different. The, the one that moved quickly actually slowed down. Is that right? Slows down? Uh, yes. <laughs> That's what YouTube told me. Um, I know there's scientists out here, you know, like engineers and you know, thoughtful thoughtful people who have followed these science fiction, you know, like th- you've done it longer than I have because my, my fascination with science fiction started in 2014 when I watched Interstellar. And I was like, man, I, I love this movie. It's fun. And I actually watched it with my family, and my smartest sibling was there. Sorry, Shannon. It's, <laughs> it's, it wasn't you. It was, it was Mitchell. Mitchell is my smartest sibling. We've had this conversation, she's heard me say it before, Mitchell is the smartest of the five of us, and Mitchell was there, so you know, I was talking to him, is in the lobby of the Warren after the movie, I was like, this is a really fun movie, but uh, when when they talk about how the space-time continuum is like a plane, and in order to go from point A to point B, we normally just draw a straight line, you know, fly a plane there, but uh, instead of drawing a straight line, you, you fold the continuum and then you create a wormhole, right? Th- this is, that's, that's kind of the, the foundation of the, the plot line for Interstellar. And, uh, and so I asked Mitchell, like, that's just not possible, right? And he's like, well, theori- <laughs> that's what I thought too. Uh, theoretically, Mitchell said it's possible, theoretically. That's the key word. And in all the YouTube videos I watch, that's the key word. Theoretically, theoretically. Um, of course, you know, practically, we're, not, we're no, nowhere close to creating that type of uh, energy. So, um, but it's just, it's just captivating that like they, they use real science as a way to open up our imagination. Um, and, and when I study things like this, like it makes my brain hurt. You know, it, it flies over my head, so I have to, you know, keep raising my head, and, and it still flies over. But it makes my brain hurt. I like thinking about things that make my brain hurt. I really do. I know that's probably weird to some of you, but I really like it. Um, and today we're going to talk about something. We're going to talk about how Christ is always celebrated through eternity, and eternity is another topic that if you really, I think, think about it soberly and rightly, uh, your brain probably will start hurting, Um, and that's not my goal. I don't want your brain to hurt. My goal is for us to stand in awe of the one who loves us, the one who came and became one of us, the timeless one who entered into time and space, Um, so uh, Long before Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary, long before his Bethlehem birth, he existed. He said, before Abraham was, Abraham in Genesis 12, Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And uh, this is part of the Christmas story. John, John opens his gospel by saying, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. He's using words that Moses used to open Genesis with, in the beginning, God. So John is, create, he is equating uh, Jesus with the eternal God, because the eternal Son of God is the eternal God himself. So yeah, the beginning is not like we think of it. When, when it says in the beginning, it's really referring to the beginning of this story, but God had no beginning because he is eternal. And so even though the Bible really doesn't have that much to say about what uh, eternity was like before creation, that's what we're going to look at, is what does the Bible have to say is about what eternity past was like, what will eternity future uh, be like regarding Christ. Um, So here's the three questions we're going to answer this morning. Uh, What was eternity past like? What about eternity future? And for all of you who are like, well, if practically we're nowhere close uh, you know, to, to those extremes, uh, well, what about right now? Like, why are we even talking about this? So how does that impact us now? Because I think it has profound impact on our lives today, the right now of eternity. So before we like get any further, let's pray and ask for God's help. <laughs> um, Holy Spirit, you reveal Christ to us. And your word says that when we see Christ, we see the Father. Um, So I pray that you would entice those who've never asked a question like this or this question, entice them to ponder it um, and encourage those of us who have pondered it to see the connection to our lives and to live according to this really rich and true answer. I admit, just like Todd admitted, I'm totally unable to do anything good on my own. I'm, I'm unable to even understand this stuff, uh, let alone communicate it. So, Father, we're just asking that you'd be gracious and that you'd glorify yourself through my weakness and uh, our weaknesses. Uh, lead us to continue worshiping you through an adequate and accurate understanding of who you are. Amen. So I'm going to ask that you stand uh, for this reading of scripture. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 and verse 24. Um, John 17 says, Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. And then verse 24, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Thanks. You can be seated. So that leads us to question number one. What was eternity past like before the foundation of, your world, of, of the world? And I'd encourage you always uh, to have your Bible open. I think it's help, helpful to be able to reference these things, especially days like today when, The slides won't show you all the scripture I'm going to use. Um, But what was eternity past like? It was like perfect relationship in the Trinity. Triune, perfect relationship. We sang about this in the song, This is What I Believe. God the Father, Christ the Son, the Holy Spirit. Three in one. Triune. Three in one. So, It's perfect relationship. We see this in verses 5 and verse 24 of John 17. Jesus says, Father, glorify me with yourself, with the glory I had with you before the world was. And then in verse 24, he's talking, God, I want them, God the Father, I want them to be with me and with us where I am so that they will see my glory, the glory that you've given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. So, Glorify is a key word in this passage. And uh, glorify isn't a word that we use all the time. It's a really complicated word in that, it, depending on the context, can have a lot of different aspects. Or It's like a diamond under a light. If you turn it, it's like, oh, then it, then it shines and it sparkles this way or that way. But to simplify the word glorify, and, and I think in this context especially, it is to ascribe highest value. Highest value be ascribed. And, and the God the Son, Jesus Christ, is saying, Father, I ascribe highest value to you. And you ascribed highest value to me before the foundation of the world. So I want us to just kind of go through these five verses in John 17 to show how Jesus was building on this idea of the Father and the Son being in this perfect love relationship of esteeming rightly esteeming the highest value to each other. So let, let's just start in verse one. Jesus is praying, the context of this is Jesus is praying before he goes to the cross. And he lets some of his closest friends, like John, his best friend, he lets them in so that they can hear this prayer so that our joy could be full. So this is like kind of an inside peek of the son's relationship to his father, the eternal son, eternal father. So Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he's praying with his eyes open <laughs> up to heaven, and he said, Father, the hour has come. And the hour uh, is, a, is a major theme in the story of John. In, in chapter 2, if you remember, Jesus turned water into wine, and his mom said, uh, Mary said, um, hey, they're out of wine, Jesus. And Jesus said, what does that matter? My hour has not yet come. So it's a it's a weird interaction. I just kind of want to be there, like some tension between Mary and Jesus. Really, uh, my my hour is not yet come, and Mary just says, "Okay, servants of this wedding feast, do whatever he tells you." It doesn't sound like Jesus is going to do anything, but then he decides to do it. He decides to turn the water into wine, even though his hour has not yet come. The hour is this prevalent theme throughout the book of John, pointing to the point of John, the point that John sees is the purpose of Jesus's life. And and in John chapter two, we get a sliver of that. He did it. Why did he do it if his hour hasn't come? He did it to reveal his glory so that his disciples would trust him. That's what John two says. He turned water into wine to get his disciples' attention and earn their trust. So, So that wasn't his hour, turning water into wine. But this, John 17, he says, my hour has come. This is the big moment. Does that make sense? Have I lost you yet? Okay, good, good. Uh, This is the big moment. And and, and the next thing he says is glorify your son. Esteem your son with the highest value. Esteem, and he's referencing himself in the third person throughout. Just, Just know that. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. So ascribe to me highest value so that I can ascribe to you highest value. And then verse two, even as you gave him authority over all flesh. So he, he gave him authority over everything. He wants him to be glorified over everything, like highest value over everything. And then this authority was given for a purpose that everyone whom God the Father gave to Jesus, Jesus would give to them eternal life. So they're, they're working together. Like there's a real mission here that the Father wants the Son to carry out a mission and that they're doing it together. So again, relationship. They, they're valuing each other, they're working together, and then here's what they're working towards. Here's what they're giving away. Verse three, one of my favorite verses. This is eternal life. So if you want to know whether or not you want eternal life, this is it. That they, that they the people that Jesus has authority over everyone, that they would know you, the Father, the only true God, and me, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's what Jesus is praying. That's what eternal life is. Knowing God the Father, knowing Christ the Son. So we typically, I think in America, think of eternal life as uh, it starts now and it goes forever. And duration, does that make sense? It's like time and I think that's part of it. It's unending, but there's also this unique quality of life. There's this fullness of life. It, it, eternal life is really relationship. It's being brought into this Trinitarian relationship. Not that we're part of the Trinity. I'm not saying that. But we, we in Christ, are included in this sweet, sweet fellowship. So, verse 4 Jesus says, "I glorified you, Father on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do." So again, there's there's work being done, and Jesus is saying, getting that work done is part of my valuing you above everything else, giving you the highest value. I glorified you on earth, God the Father, by accomplishing everything you gave me to do. And Jesus's life was not easy; his work wasn't easy. But what he did and how he did it showed that he valued his father more than anything else. Even more, of course, we see at the cross, he valued his father more than life itself. And it just reminds me, and this is kind of where it comes home for us a little bit. I was talking to a friend this week. He said that his job right now is the hardest thing he's ever had to do. But he also believes that God has called him to it. So, thinking about this passage and Jesus' work glorifying the Father, as we work in faith and in relationship with God, we too can glorify God with our work, the work that he's given us to do. And I think that's what it means that Christ is always celebrated. It's, it's not like we're always happy-go-lucky. It's not easy like we would always choose it. But when we value God so much that we trust him in every situation. Uh, We value that, and we believe that God's working all things for his glory. Um, We're celebrating Christ, even through tears, even through sadness. And that brings us back to where we started, verse five. Now, Father, I glorified you with the work that you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself. With this glory that I had with you before the world was. So we're kind of back to this looking into eternity past, that before anything was, God was, and God was in perfect fellowship with himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so God's first and highest commitment has been, always will be, and currently is, not you, not this church, not me, not our families. God's first and highest commitment, the, the, and this is good news for us, is to himself. And the first time I heard that, I was like, whoa, what? Um, it sounds funny because we're taught that love is not self-serving. Um, but the quick answer to that is that God is serving and loving you best by keeping the right priority at the top. To worship or put anything else above God would be idolatry. And God does not commit idolatry. Look at 2 Timothy 2. It should be on the screen. This is a trustworthy saying. If we've died with Christ, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. But listen to this. If we are faithless, if we don't have faith, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. That means this again. Christ is who saved you. Christ is who chose you. Christ is who God's highest commitment is to. And because you are in Christ, you are safe eternally. You're loved, you're secure eternally. You're brought in to perfect relationship. And I think this is more than technically possible, uh, it's presently available. It's practically powerful. And, and I'll show you with this application. Um, one of the questions that humanity has always asked and continues to ask is, where did we come from? And you could answer and say, God, right? That's a true answer. But what is God like? Did God create you because he needed you? Or because... He was bored. Where did we come from? And this, this truth that God has always existed in perfect relationship, total satisfaction, it, it shows that we, we came from the joy, from the self-sufficiency of God. So let, let, me, let me come back down to the ground level. Think about how important of a role your parents played in your life. Even if they've wounded you deeply, it's a very, very important role. Think about how important of a role your best friends or your spouse has played in your life. People with whom you've trusted your heart and that you've loved on the deepest level. It's very impactful. Now wrap all of those relationships into one. One. <laughs> And that's just a sliver of the relationship that the Father, Son, and Spirit have together. The incredible value, the incredible intimacy. And that's just, that's just a comparison. It, the actual love that God has for God is far greater. So what that means is you came from infinite joy. You came from intimate, infinite peace, infinite love that's pure Perfection of every good thing. That's, that's where you came from. That's who you exist for. And Christian, that's where you're headed. Um, and it's presently available. This is eternal life, knowing God and his son whom he has sent. So those that are here seeking truth, looking for joy, love, peace, uh, we say that it's found in God because he's in this perfect, sufficient relationship. He did not create us out of need. God is not needy. He still doesn't need anything from you. You, are, you come from and are made for a very secure love relationship. And, and this, this was written, or this was said, John 17, in the midst of Jesus facing great hard, hardship. And he recalls his father loving him. So do you see how practical this is? That whatever we're facing this is not going to define who I am. If I pass this, if I fail this, this does not define me. Yes, it will affect me, but I am secure in who I am. And I do, I can operate out of who I am in Christ, because that's secure. And, and we're all growing in that, but that's, that's what it means to be in Christ, that, that we're stable, we're secure. So in eternity past, the answer, my answer is Christ was celebrated in the Trinity. That's what eternity past was like. It was awesome. God, loving God, loving God. So what about eternity future? This will be a shorter answer, but in eternity future, Christ will be celebrated by all things. So in the past, there was just God, right? No one existed, nothing existed before God, it was just God. In eternity future, there's going to be all this... Uh, stuff and people and maybe animals that he created. Uh, and, and look at Revelation 5, 13 and 14. This is the heavenly vision God gave to John. Uh, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, so God the father and, and God the son and the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory forever and ever. And the, the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. So all of this be to God forever and ever. So we're all gonna be celebrating Christ forever. All things is what this says. Um, so God created in order to include his creation and on this perfect relationship. And this is what we look forward to during Christmas. It's a sure thing Christ will return and we remember that he came, but we also remember he's coming back and we get to celebrate him forever. And so the final question, number three, is how does that impact us now? Um, I think now is part of eternity. Eternity is, of course, more than just this moment, but we are in a speck, a moment of eternity. So we can live the eternal life right now. Not perfectly, but accurately and adequately. We can know God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And I think that means that uh, when we seek to be good parents or good teachers or a a faithful nurse, uh, we we know that all of this starts and it's only accomplished through relationship with a God who's self-sufficient, a God who keeps the right priority every single time. So we, we look at all these things that we do as an opportunity to know and love God. And when we see him for who he is, we we worship. So eternity is going to be full of applications of this. Eternity is already full of applications of this. Uh, When we die, it's it's not the end. We were not made to cease existing. We will all continue to exist. And uh, really, it could all be summed up all these applications could be summed up by God has spoken to us in his son. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. Romans 12. Our view of God is going to be shown in our response to him. So, so this is the great mystery of Christmas. The one who's outside of time and space. He entered in to time and space. He gave us a picture of life as it was meant to be lived by man before the fall. And that picture of life as it was meant to be lived is by Christ, who was fully man and fully God. Uh, But in Christ, he also gave us insight into what life was like before there was life as we know it. And after life as we know it is ended and we have this new life, um, it'll be like Jesus. And we'll be included in on this perfect triune relationship. And so going back to science fiction, as awesome as science fiction is, here's my big problem with it. Humanity is always the hero. I've never seen a science fiction film where humanity is not the hero. And uh, this, when I think about eternity and Christ in eternity, uh, this week I I think, is science nonfiction. It's the truth. But somehow it's based in science. He's he's the lawgiver. He he created all of this that we we study and that we enjoy. But think, even if someone cracked the code and created a wormhole, it wouldn't provide, it wouldn't provide the answers to the questions we're looking for. Who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Christ provides the answer to all of that. And when we live those answers increasingly we're telling the world, but we're also celebrating Christ that this is the truly great story. And it will, and it can, and it should capture our imagination. So let's pray together. You're the Lord of eternity. And that you hear me and that you care for me is awesome. So I pray that you'd reveal anything that we are valuing more than knowing and loving you. Thank you that repenting and believing is part of our worship. It's part of our continual pursuit to value you above Anyone and anything else.